I remember at the age of sort of, I don't know, 19, 20, just thinking, I just don't understand these people who get memory blanks on a night out. I mean, I can remember how every drink I had, like, you know, X, Y, and Z, I went to this place. I don't understand. They're making it up. They're making it up. And little, and little that I know where I am now, where I, I just, you know, I forget yesterday most of the time. Um, but is <laughs> that 40? Is that 40? <laughs> memory loss. <laughs> yeah. Pickled brains, 40. Welcome along to the penultimate episode of Is This 40, an experimental podcast about five lifelong friends who have rather unwillingly signed up to talk about the things they wouldn't normally talk about with each other. My name's Michael Absalom, and much to my friend's despair, I've always been fascinated by theories of self-improvement and understanding how best to get the most out of life. This week, I've strong-armed another one of the lads, Jonathan Corby, aka Corbs, into spending some special one-on-one time with me. And together, we're going to try and work out if we're both where we thought we'd be at this stage of our lives. It's a chilly November evening outside the Pear Tree Cafe in Battersea Park, London, and by the time we actually get around to hitting the record button, it's already pitch black. But fear not, armed with a couple of ice-cold beers, we're ready to spill the beans in another frighteningly honest episode. We ease ourselves in gently by looking back at some of Corbs' most recent Amazon purchases online. Is this 40? A Vileda Turbo Microfiber Mop. Can I see what that looks like? She's quite good. And what's that for? The kitchen floor? Yeah, that was for the... Well, just the floors. Wooden, wooden floors. Yeah. And then a, and then a leaf blower. Um, and then I've bought some um, ant bait. Ant is, bait. Yeah, I've got a problem with ants at the moment. <laughs> Not in my pants. In the winter. Um, they're still going strong. So I'm getting about, I'd say on average, 30 ants falling through my spotlight in my kitchen. What does it feel like now to be sat here age 40 and, and what scares you about the next year, the next five years, the next 10 years, the next 40 years? I guess, um, you know, you pretend like it doesn't make a difference, but, you know, living up to expectation, um, not disappointing people and that's, you know, loved ones and friends um, and, and achieving what aspirations you have. I suppose you know these are the these are the fears that you have um, going into the sort of. But you know, I, I always need to. I also need to check myself. You know, we're not we're not about to kick the bucket. We're still quite young. It's just that you know you get bogged down in society and uh, expectation mm. of what you're supposed to have done and ticked off the list by now, and it makes you feel you haven't achieved stuff and you're old and you're running out of time, but. Where you know we've got we've got a good few years double again hopefully hopefully what um, um what was on your on your sort of checklist growing up before so sort of teenage years twenties thirties uh, be a professional sportsman yeah um being a rock band early on it was I think like quite a lot of little kids to be a vet um I think you'd make a great vet actually thanks. you love animals. Yeah. Dr. Doolittle, our yeah. very own Dr. Doolittle. Where are the challenges for you in talking about yourself was my next question that I had written down on my phone, Jonathan Corby. Um, saying, um, <laughs> um, well, I mean, I suppose it's the same as anyone. The challenges are always, you want to give a fair reflection of yourself, um, mean what you say and not mince your words. 
I um I, I always notice that you ask a lot of questions. So you're you're so polite and you're so kind, and and whenever you host us, whether it's for dinner or or parties mm. during normal times, you're you're sort of so interested in everyone else. You're always asking questions you're genuinely interested in other people and what they're up to and i wonder whether part of you asking lots of questions is so that you don't have to talk about yourself i would say that's 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 a true observation thanks i wouldn't say that i I don't open up um you know just i guess i'm a bit picky about when i do it Mm. um and i don't you know i want to do it on my terms so if i'll come to you and i'm sure i have before and ask you for some advice um i'm happy to talk about it but a lot of the time I won't think that it's, it's you know, I'll be volunteer. I won't volunteer information that's sensitive that I don't want to talk to you about at that particular moment. And maybe that's a default with me and the fact that it has to be when I want to talk about it rather than, you know, an organic thing. I guess I'm conscious that, that this is outside of, and I would say in the group of five, so Jack, Chris, Abs, Rijo, is that me? Have I forgotten me? me. This is probably most outside your comfort zone and i guess i wanted to thank you for being open and willing to come and meet me in the middle of Battersea park and and have a conversation and take a risk and do something that that isn't necessarily in your comfort zone so i just wanted to say well done for that oh that's very sweet of you um no it's, it's not my sort of in my list of things that i feel that i'm good at um but you know this might all get deleted so <laughs> Um, you're hoping you'll be the judge of whether whether there's any good content there but i i don't i'm happy to put myself in difficult situations the things that i'm not comfortable with um and um you know if it's if any good content comes come of it then then great otherwise then there's no there's no problem and if i can help you i will do i think i think we describe it as content that sort of a, a tv and radio term and podcast term but, but ultimately we're looking for nuggets of wisdom aren't we at 40 um lessons we've learned along the way um advice we can well that was one others. of them that was one of them yeah so you know n- try not to shy away from things that are uncomfortable and things that you're not good at um and yeah i'm, I'm definitely never i've never been good at you know being put on the spot in terms of talking about my feelings Mm. that comes you know comes back from from childhood and sort of divorced parents and always being asked you know who i want to go and see this weekend and um you know me just deflecting which is a talent that i learned or not making a difficult choice maybe not having to go yeah so that's a that's a talent. So it works for me in some ways, and it works against me in other ways. So, yeah. But I'm I'm you know always going to put myself in a position where uh, just hope I don't embarrass myself too much. <laughs> they're probably simulating a river attack or a river assault, is probably what they're doing there. So they train along the River Thames, and they hang close to the the bends of of the River Thames. So you'll see them fly up and down and. Um, I, I, yeah, I remember meeting a Chinook pilot and he was telling me about how he used to just love flying over London. Hot. I've seen you. Oh, yeah. He was so hot. <laughs> he was so hot. <laughs> so what do you do? I'm a Chinook pilot. I was like, I will... I, Sold. <laughs> get your coat, you're pulled. <laughs> that was a good weekend. You out with the helicopter pilots. Yeah. Me just... <laughs> 
Manny, him and his chopper. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Did you want to be a chopper pilot when you were... No, I didn't. Do you want to be a chopper pilot when you're older? No, I think I've always dreamed about going into space as I think that's still on my bucket list of things to do. And I think Mm. we might be able to get to do that in our lifetime is to fly up into space. The conversation rapidly accelerates away from space travel and onto aspirational ways to die. I'm sure everyone's had this vision, Corbs. I wonder what the dream... But sort of like when you leave your body, your spirit leaves your body, it just sort of projects out into space and into the nothingness and this huge rainbow comes out behind you and just all these colours and it just explodes into the sky. But you're fi- you're now... You've left Earth. You're now flying through space, through all the space matter and planets and you're still radiating this rainbow shine and just exploding your soul and your energy everywhere and just... And then suddenly that's it. Nothing. Silence. Gone. This is how you hope to go? Well, this is how I envisage the end, yeah. Great to finally be able to get that off my chest. On to the importance of having a reliable support network in our 40s. Maybe it's good sometimes to address those those skeletons in the cupboard. I, I know I've had numerous chats with my dad over the years, and I think our generation of fathers, so they're sort of in their 60s and 70s now, we're not as able to have these conversations with each other. And I think we're really fortunate that we're able to do this as 40 year old men. And that that's something that they never had as teenagers. They maybe never could do that with their male role models, whether it be their father, their teachers, their friendship group. And, and we've been lucky enough to have that. So I think we should take advantage of it. No, I agree. I think, I think that we are lucky because we have a good uh, support network and, um, you know, you in particular encourage your friends to sort of open up and talk about things that have been been and gone um, because it it's harder be... to do at a party though isn't it because everyone's there just to have fun you don't really want to talk about the the slightly meatier stuff and the harder stuff but but ultimately everyone needs to have a an outlet somewhere to talk about those things no i agree i agree and um yeah if a podcast that then <laughs> so be it. yeah i wonder um as 40-year-old men, how how much work we do on ourselves at 40. So I talked about our parents' generation, and I think they maybe do 0% work on themselves. Mm. I think our generation maybe do 50% of work on themselves, and there's a generation behind that yeah. probably do too much work on themselves. But also, I think there's, there's, uh, there is a um, male-female imbalance in that too. So I think that our, knowing your mum, and I know my mum, I think that, well, actually, I speak about my mum. I, I think my mum is, um, she is from that generation, but I, I, I think that she's um, always been that, that she she fulfills a role with her friends where she's the person that they pick, up, they pick the phone up to her and talk about problems and she, she's good at advice. So she's quite good at talking about stuff. Whereas my father, you know, he's a typical man and just sort of, you know, you don't get much out of him, or or maybe that's unfair. He won't, um, he won't understand about sort of, in terms of his own self being, he won't understand about working on himself. And um, because he was never taught that, though, was he? No. So I, so I can. Un- that's what I. Well, that's the excuse I make for my my old man is no one showed him. So if we were to show them, maybe is it is it too late? Is there ever a time where you don't have to self reflect and self? Evaluate. I think you should be constantly in a in a in that moment of reevaluation and. So let's do a dad's therapy session. Then. <laughs> yeah.
often over the years I've I've held my dad accountable for decisions. So when my mum and dad separated, and you know, essentially my dad left my mum for another woman, and at some stage he just had to come to terms with the fact that we were just all angry with him because he chose someone else over us. He decided to start another family with someone else, and that made us feel not good enough. And and unless he was willing to hear that then you're never actually getting to the the root of the problem. And so I, I think you have to hold people accountable. And is it, did you tell and him not, that? Yes, and, and I'm, not, I'm not saying he made a mistake because maybe he was at a place in his life where he didn't feel appreciated or that all the hard work and sacrifice he was making wasn't being appreciated by his, his family. Mm. And I think that's probably why he felt, how he felt and, and what drove him away and what made him feel probably alone and needing someone to to see him for who he was which was this incredibly business-minded talented man passionate about his work and supporting the people he loved you know that's what he was essentially doing at the heart of it and so everything that he was doing was out of love but that the rest of the family weren't be weren't able to come together maybe to to show him that and put put their arms around him and tell him that they love him and that he was just doing the most amazing, wonderful job, which of course we can all now do in our forties mm. and we're well past it. But had we not had those conversations in our late twenties for me, mm. then we wouldn't, we wouldn't have had a, a good relationship since and an honest relationship since. And where are you with that relationship? You've, you've told them all these things and yeah, I, I, I think that, that, yeah, we're, we're quite honest about that. And, um, I, I certainly don't blame him because you'll know from the earlier episodes that coming from a slightly dysfunctional family, there are extra pressures for my parents. They lost three kids, three out of their five kids. And I think that puts an additional pressure on a relationship. And I, I can't even begin to, to know what that feels like. It scares me to death to have a family that I might have a genetic code that might bring disabled children into with life limiting illnesses. So, you know, they're going to die, hmm. not, not a, a disease or illness that you yeah. know someone through you know they're going to die and all with before the age of sort of 15 but also you know you have to remember like like your um aspirational way to die um you know at the end of the day we're just here in a minute moment and it's all inconsequential anyway it doesn't matter what we do yeah just make sure you're having a good time and that you have fun with people that you love absolutely and make you know and share and share that time with those people. Make sure, you know, you're forever seeing people looking at their phones and they're just with their mum or their dad. Right? My mindset is: imagine they die tomorrow, and I just wasted that twenty minutes with mum, or I never went. I never went down and made that effort to go and see my dad, or <clears throat> the, the two minute phone call, yeah. and you know, dies in a plane crash, or you know, goes up in smoke, or dies of a heart attack the next day. I, I, so that's always what i've had cemented in my head the life and death thing about living with siblings with life limiting illnesses that you recognize that yeah and i'm so grateful for every moment and every opportunity and, and living from moment to moment well i think you do it very well i still find it fascinating that as human beings we're so good at masking the truth from each other and hiding what's really going on inside from a friend's perspective whilst you know i uh, recognized a few of that but maybe you know whenever i saw you you're always so and you know positive and fun and maybe maybe you were doing your own deflection there of course of course um, the smile the laugh the um big hair but okay I, <laughs> the big hair yeah that was a sign well i mean everyone i mean everyone goes through that sort of stuff to a more or lesser degree i can't remember i can't remember when i sort of had that 
but you know there was always as you just sort of pointed out there's always a shaky pillar or two mm. um but yeah i i think that um your steely grit and determination has always shined through and i'm you know in admiration you know about that and especially when you did your one man show <laughs> in the what was it the the chicken in the hen and chickens the theater and yeah chicken. in north london Yes, that was yes, Highbury and Islington. That was you pulled something out of the bag. I mean, that for me, that is just one of the most amazing achievements of courage and bravery, and and the fact that you pulled that off in such an amazing way is just, I uh, just, I'm so so impressed. What did I hope to learn by very publicly putting myself in such a vulnerable position? Every creative project in my in my life helps me to express how I'm feeling, where I'm at, and helps encourage the decisions I need to make. Mm. So whether that was the one man show and, and putting myself into the most scary situation I could possibly think of, no one else there with you. You've got to get this all right. It lasts an hour. It's scripted. If you miss one of the cues, you're the guy that looks like a dick and you want to be an actor, prove it. Go, mm. go. Let's see how good you are. Actor. And and so it was that it was that challenge, but with every single one of my creative projects, I've had a I think looking back on them, uh, a sideline agenda. So I think these are therapeutic for me. It's good to talk to you guys because I get clarity on where I am in my life mm. and what I still need to do to improve the little tweaks I need to make to set up the, the life I, I want, whether that's yeah. family, kids, a stable home environment, a secure job, all those things are coming to the forefront because we're having these conversations. But then that sparks off a reaction and therefore I've got to do something about it while you're talking about it. I heard you say it. I listened to it in the edit. I listened to it. That, you know, it's live now. Everyone's, everyone's heard this episode. Mm. So everyone now knows that you're going through that in your head, Michael Absalom. So you've got to do something about it. I'm held accountable because I've documented it. Well, there is that thing that they say you should do, you know, just put yourself out there. Say you're going to do something, make it public, put, you, know, you know, book the event. Let everyone know and just worry about it as you go along. That's kind of what I did with the show. <laughs> it was, and it was, it was an amazing show. Ah, uh, thanks. You're biased as well. I only invited my family and friends, so everyone had to say good things. <laughs> no, I mean, I, I, I know that everyone thought it was brilliant. So, ah, uh, thanks. It was helping me to maybe get some stuff out that has been stuck in there for forty years. It's sort of and midlife crisis, crossroads, no, but, whatever you it know, was. But no, it was it was a good balance of honesty and um you know it was touching and you know i just can't get the the image out of my head of you sort of dancing in your pants yes um yeah. and that's why i say that it was quite funny do you wear your girlfriend's knickers i don't tend to no um i've never sort of found the attraction he doesn't know what he's missing anywho back to business do you know what you want to do with the rest of your life now that you're 40? Do you know what you want to do with the next next period of your life? Um, well, 
the the ambition is to do what I did, what I was trying to do for the last forty. You're getting to sort of yeah. I want to have a family. I want to be um, financially secure enough to do everything I need to do and everything I want to do. I want to you know. So I want to live the best life that I can in terms of looking after the people that I love. Um, and you know, these are, this is important years and important ten next ten years to to work all this out. And so, yeah, it is with trepidation. Uh, trepidation. I look at look ahead for the next ten years. It's quite scary, though, isn't it? And yeah. my, my girlfriend and I have this chat all the time. And you know, whether you, you you commit to getting engaged, getting married, having children together, buying a house together, those are terrifying things. They're really scary, and I just don't think anyone maybe you might do with your partner but you you don't necessarily express that that's scary and it's terrifying and and that's okay to be scared and of course everyone's scared because it's the unknown and you're taking a risk and you're investing a hundred percent into someone so of course it's scary so we have those honest conversations and i just i just wonder whether everyone does and certainly men don't relate to other men in their friendship groups that that those honest conversations take place until now maybe well i think you're right um yeah and and i'm sure um that i'm not the, the most the most accomplished in this field to be to be totally honest um so yeah i don't necessarily talk about a lot of this sort of stuff but i have ambitions to get married i have ambitions to have children i have ambitions to you know to um self improve myself and make my friends and my family proud of me um, because I feel that there's a lot still to be done on, on that level. So how do we ensure we get there and achieve our goals in the future? Do you visualise, I do a visual wall, um, I put something on a wall and I try and get that. It might even be a coat that I like. And I go, oh, I'd, I'd like to get a coat like that. And and if I put it on the vision wall or if I've I... I've seen one of your visual walls. Yeah, they also look like serial killer walls. <laughs> <laughs> They're quite terrifying, to be honest. But they help me vision. That's me personally, and everyone's different. But that helps me get a picture. I need to see something in. No, no, I, I in told pictures you. In front well, of me. I mean, as I just said, um, you, you're quite good at sort of putting a, a mission target ahead of yourself, and uh, and off you go. And I think that this is one of the methods that you you know you employ to do that. Because then I think once it's on the wall, you're you're accountable for it again, and you go, oh my god, I. I love basketball and I said I was going to join a basketball club and I never did. Or, um, oh yeah, I was going to save £250 a month and then I was going to go on holiday to Antigua because it was where I always wanted to mm. go as a kid. And and I think unless you challenge yourself and, and set those those goals, and, and, I, and I like to think I achieve them because I have a visual of it right there in front of me. Mm. Um, it might not it might not happen in a week, a month, five years, ten years, but somehow it subliminally gets put in your brain and so i don't know if that was ever and i think that's some good life coaching i don't know what's in the vision wall right now um well it's difficult times you know so um career-wise uh property you know i've got a few projects that i'm working on but you know i'd like to i'd like to try and crack this cycle in terms of property but i'm still trying to work out what that magic thing is going to be um well, good luck good thanks luck. thanks you come do it with me I wouldn't know what I was doing. I don't know if I've, I've got a little house in Twickenham and I never know if it's the right time to sell and move to the country or my dad's always said, keep the property. It's just you've got a place on the edge of London and you'd be a fool to sell it and it's only ever going to go up in value and we wish we'd done that when we were your age. 
Yeah, it's good. I mean, you want you want something tied up. If you've got equity like that, you know, you want to keep it tied up in something. Good advice, Corbs. We'll finish this week's episode with something light and fluffy. What dog names have you got so far for your dog that you're potentially thinking of buying? Um, the names I've got at the moment are Ida, Chili, Laika, which is the first uh, dog in space, and Tequila. But I'm worried about Tequila. <laughs> <laughs> Might send you off on a. Well, it's a bit. It's a bit sort of, you know, Chardonnay and Cristal. Which one of those can you imagine shouting out across the park to get her back? Tequila! <laughs> yeah, no, I think Chili's, Chili's the leader at the moment. Oh, if that's not a cliffhanger of an ending, then I don't know what is. Thanks very much for listening to this episode of Is This 40 with Jonathan Corby and Michael Absalom. Hopefully there was at least one tiny takeaway in there for you somewhere. If you enjoyed listening to this episode, then why not like, share and subscribe to the rest of the series and have a listen back to some of the other pearls of wisdom we've stumbled across in our 40s. And if you'd like to see any photos from behind the scenes, then you can follow us on Twitter and Instagram. Just search for Is This 40 and keep an eye out for the boys in pink. Thanks again for being a part of this podcast and be sure to tune in next time when all five of us will be back in a room together to bring the curtain down on series one as we reflect on what's been a truly memorable year. Bye for now.